Father, we thank you again for your word. We pray that you would continue to stir our hearts and our spirits this morning, that we would be open to hear your voice as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be the one is the title of our message this morning. Your homework, if you choose to accept it, is to go home and read a little bit in Leviticus about what leprosy uh, was and kind of the, the law and what was required of those that were leprous. And that will give you a, a bit more context as to what we'll look at this morning. But I don't want to go through all that. So that's your homework. You can go home and read it in Leviticus about leprosy and the, the laws and what they had to go through. This morning I want to just dig into this uh, episode here in Luke and share a bit about my journey over this last year in regards to healing and uh, just where God's leading me and teaching me. So uh, the leprous, those that were leprous in those days, were removed from society. They They were removed from the community and they had to uh, be outside of community. So they had leprous colonies and these people would join together. They had one thing in common was that they were sick and they were diseased and that they were not to be in the presence of others because their sickness and their disease. So we see these people and, and it's interesting that they, they come uh, and they hear about Jesus and, and most likely they had heard the stories. In chapter 5 of Luke, Jesus heals a leprous man. Uh, these guys were probably coming together and saying, listen, this might be our opportunity. This might be our day. Uh, Jesus is coming around. Let's go and see if we can meet Jesus, if we can have an encounter, if we can get his attention. So these ten uh, leprous, they, they come out, and it says that they stood at a distance. And that's the first thing that kind of intrigues me is that they, you know, the, the other leprous, they he came before Jesus. Other people, they came and tried to touch Jesus. These guys, because of their disease, they stood at a distance. And, and I, I want you to think, in, when we're talking about leprosy, that not just sickness and disease, but there might be something in your life that is your leprosy today. Whether that is a physical need, maybe there's an emotional need, maybe there's something in you that, that you know you need healing for, that you know you need a touch from God and you need his attention. So I don't want you to get caught up on the sickness, physical sickness and disease, but I want you to think about what is my need this morning and how can I get God's attention? And some of you might be here this morning and you feel the same way. Whatever it is that you have in your life, you might feel like you need to stand at a distance. That you're not worthy enough to come before him and touch him. You're not worthy enough to come face to face with Jesus. So you're standing at a distance and you've been trying to get his attention. And these men, they were used to crying out because they had to walk around and if they were coming into a public space... They had to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So imagine you're walking around, and that is the vo- that's the cry that you have to do every time you come into the public arena, is to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Pretty much, stay away from me, everyone. Stay away from me, everyone. I'm unclean. So here these guys are used to crying out, and this time they, they don't cry out, unclean. They cry out, Jesus, Master. Have mercy on us. And this word master that they use, it's not your familiar word of rabbi or teacher. 
It's beyond that. It's someone who has supernatural authority or power. They've recognized that Jesus is not just a teacher, that there's something special and unique about this person of Jesus. So they cry out, Master, have mercy on us. And I'm going to let you into my thought process. I'm weird. Some of you know that already. But I, yes, I heard an amen there. Um, but I, I look at these. I look at these stories, and, and where my thought goes is like, here these guys are. They know what they need. They need healing. I, I look at you know some of the past stories of the blind man, and I know what he needs. He needs healing. And yet they cry out, and they don't say, Jesus, heal my leprosy, take away my leprosy. The blind man doesn't say, Jesus, I want to be. I want to be healed. Take away my blindness, but they cry. They cry out for mercy, and I find that interesting. I find that what they're crying out for is is mercy, God. Have mercy on me. And Jesus, you know, his response to them is unique. They don't ask for healing; they ask for mercy. So his response to them isn't be healed. His response to them isn't come here, let me touch you and lay hands on you. But his response to them is go. Go show yourself to the priest. And now if you're like me, I'm thinking in my head, wait a minute. The story I heard when he healed the last leprous person was that he touched him. He touched him and told him to be clean. So why isn't he coming to me and touching me and making me clean? Why isn't the miracle I'm looking for, why isn't the touch of God that I'm looking for the same as what I've heard in the past or the same as someone else that I, I've heard testify? And yet they respond. And what else is interesting I find is that the command and the word that Jesus gives them is one that would follow their healing. You see, if you go and do your homework, you'll find out that you were to go show yourself to the priest after you were clean. And the priest would then give you the declaration of saying, you're clean, you're welcomed back into society. He gives them this command before they are even healed, before they even receive anything. He's giving them this command to go and show themselves to the priest. Normally that would follow the cure. But they go, and they go with simply a word. A word sometimes is all we need. A word from God, a word from Jesus is sometimes the only thing you need. A word is what brought creation into being. A word was what allowed Abraham to step out and begin to walk in faith. A word was all the disciples needed to drop their nets and follow. Sometimes a word is all we need to take in and begin to build our faith. A word I want to give you today is from Psalm 103. It says this, in the message version, it says, Oh my soul, bless God from head to toe. I'll bless his holy name. Oh my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. Turn to someone beside you and say, forget. It's okay, you can do that. Don't forget. It's funny that David says this. He says this. He's speaking to his soul. He's saying, don't forget, soul. 
Why? It's not because of what us Portuguese often say. If you eat too much cheese, you get forgetful. It's not because you ate too much cheese. It's because we have a tendency to forget the blessings of God. We have a tendency to forget what he's done for us. So David is saying, oh, my soul, don't forget the blessings. What are those blessings? He says, he forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. That's a word for you. Take that word. You're always young in his presence, which means when you're in his presence and you think, I can't raise my hands or dance like I used to, you're young in his presence. You can do a little jig if you want to. You have his youth renewed within you. There's one word for you. So here they are, these leprous. They have this one word. And you know what they do? They respond. And they start walking. Sometimes we need to just respond and start walking. We've received his word. And we need to just start walking. The disciples, they stepped out, put their nets down, started walking. Abraham had no idea where he was going. But he started walking. And he stepped out in faith. Sometimes we need to just start walking and respond. And again, this is my thought process for them, right? Here they are. I start walking. Unclean! 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 But within me is like, okay, how come he didn't touch me like he touched the other guy? Unclean! 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 Why do I have to go show myself to the priest? What's the priest going to do for me? Like, I'm not even clean. I'm still unclean! 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 And they're walking. And they've responded. And here's the thing. Sometimes... Your confession changes when you start walking. Because unclean, unclean, I'm walking to show the priest. Unclean, unclean, I'm clean. I'm clean, I'm clean. And your confession begins to change as you start walking in faith. It's kind of like how many have you have ever been to a wedding? Everyone, right? And when you go to a wedding, you kind of dress up nice, put some nice clothes on most of the time. Most of the time. Have you ever been all snazzy, dressed up to go to a wedding? And then you're like, oh, i got to grab some gum at the dollar store. No one? Just me. And you're at the dollar store, and you kind of feel a little weird, because you're at the dollar store, and you're like all dressed up, right? And... Uh, you're just kind of looking, everyone's looking at you, and, and what's your, you know, if you're like me, your response is, I'm going to a wedding. I don't dress like this every day. I don't just come to the dollar store dressed like this. Or maybe some of you do. Maybe you just put your suit and tie on to go to the dollar store. But it's kind of like that sometimes our confession needs to match where we're going, not where we are. So I'm going to a wedding. I'm not at the door store. I'm going. I'm going. And they step out in faith, and they begin to declare within their soul, he said for me to go. I'm going. And that confession changes from unclean to I'm clean. I'm clean. 
And there's this response. He take, they take his word and they step out in faith. And faith in who he is and the truth that he is given. Your confession needs to match where you're going, not where you are. This is not the name it and claim it. If you grew up where I grew up, there's the misuse at times of this name it and claim it. If there's a difference here. There's a difference in receiving faith in the word that God has spoken to you and proclaiming and declaring that. Does that make sense? It's not name it and claim it. It's something that happens within you. Now, what's interesting is only one. Only one comes back. And I want to encourage you this morning, I want to tell you, be the one. Be the one that turns back. Be the one that comes back to give praise. That comes back to the presence. There's something about what this foreigner received in the revelation of who God was and who Jesus was. You see, we kind of get down on the other nine. Here's another thing just quickly to remind yourselves of. Not one was healed. Ten were healed. Ten. This was like a multiple miracle. Well, not just one, but it was ten. That's how good Jesus is. Ten were healed. And we kind of say, well, why didn't those guys come back? Well, they were obeying. They were obeying. They were supposed to go show themselves to the priest. That was part of the law. Jesus had given them that command. But I I find interesting is this Samaritan, this foreigner, he catches a revelation here. A revelation of who has just spoken to him. See, he's a Samaritan, so he doesn't have the same religious laws as the Jewish. We're assuming the other ones were Jewish. He doesn't have a priest to go to. His priest is the one that just spoke to him, that just loved him, that just spoke the word of healing into him. He goes back to the only priest he's ever known. He goes back to Jesus. And what I find interesting is that he's more concerned with going back to the presence than to receiving a position. He was more concerned with the presence and coming back to the presence of Jesus than the position of restoration in his community. He caught a revelation of who Jesus was and being in the presence of the one that healed him, that saved him, that is making him whole versus having a position of the priest is going to declare me so. I want to share with you what happened to me a year ago. As we uh, were in our general assembly in Calgary, God began a healing work in me. Some of you may know a bit of my story, but for those who don't, I lost my father when I was a year and a half. And he passed away from an accident at work. And uh, he had this accident. He fell on some rebar. Uh, it got in his side. It ended up tearing the vein that goes to his heart. He later passed away that night. And here I am at General Assembly. I'm, I know I look young, but I'm 39. And it's interesting that, I, you know, at 39, God is still dealing with me about my father and about this wound and these sins and as I'm sitting there at General Assembly, God begins to speak to me, and he begins to touch something that I didn't realize. And he begins to heal something in me. And he begins to talk to me about unforgiveness. 
And the unforgiveness that I, I, I was dealing with that I didn't realize was unforgiveness with God. And he began touching something and, and looking at me and saying, you need to forgive me. And as we started processing this stuff, God and I started processing, I started asking the questions. And I started asking God, like, you know, how does this work? Uh, and I don't want to lose my, uh, my stuff here. But he, he's been dealing with this thing for a year now. And, and where I've come to is he's showing me the cross. And as he shows me the cross, the cross is in the shape of a T. And he's giving me these three words. Truth, trust, and tension. And truth is truth in a person and not a principle. Jesus is good. God is good. We often would say, God is good. All the time, God is good. And what he says is more true than what I feel or what I experience. And real faith comes from a yieldedness. It's not some trumped-up activity of the brain, but faith comes from surrender, not striving. Yet faith is not mindless. Understanding with a renewed mind. Paul says, renew your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that renewed mind can often be used to set the context of faith to work in us. I like what Bill Johnson says. He says, true faith is superior to reason in that it gives our intellect the context in which to grow safely in the knowledge of God. Through an encounter with God, we grow in divine wisdom. Faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It denies a place of influence. So for me, God, where were you? Where were you? In that accident, where were you? And his response to me was, I was there. I was there. I was there with you. As a one-year-old, I was there with your brother who was four. I was there with your mother. I was there. And I was saying, God, but where were you? And he was saying, I was there. And he was saying, and still says, and I'm here. And I'm here with you. And my faith doesn't deny that circumstance. But what it does do is it denies the influence of that experience to say that my God isn't. At 18, we prayed for my, ma- my aunt with cancer, who had cancer. And we prayed fervently and asked God for healing. And my aunt passed away. And I came to that place of saying, God, where were you? And God said, I was there. And I'm still here. It doesn't deny that those things happen, but it denies it denies the influence that it would have to change my perception on who God is, that he is still good, that he is always good, that God is good. So there is this truth that grounds me in a faith that says, no matter what the circumstance, God is good. And then led me to the second T, which is trust. Trust is proven most in the midst of confusing circumstances with the corresponding questions. Trust means that what we have come to know to be true about God is greater than all the circumstantial evidence that might deny it. He led me to trust. A trust that when I was asking those questions of God, where, where, where were you? And him saying, I was there. A trust that 
accepted. I didn't need specific answers. That answer was enough. A trust that has led me to say, a peace that surpasses all I don't understand sometimes what happened there but I have a peace and he's bringing me through a healing of peace to know that that answer isn't that peace isn't which then leads me to the third tension or the third T which is tension we cannot deny the mystery of a big God what we don't know is sometimes as, as important as what we don't as what we do know let me say that again what we don't know is sometimes as important as what we do know the life of trust is to be built upon not a principle of theories but upon the solid rock that God is I like what Callistos Ware says he says it is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every situation but to make us progressively aware of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. Enduring faith is where he's leading me. Enduring faith, the ability to endure until the answer comes. Two sides of the coin, enduring faith and breakthrough. So rather than creating a theology of lack, of saying, this didn't happen, I build upon the truth and the trust that he is good all the time. And all the time, he is good. And we see, we see what happens is when there is no breakthrough, I come back to the presence and get alone with him. That's what the disciples did. Do you remember the story of the disciples when they said, Lord, we tried to pray and we tried to cast this out and, and nothing happened. There was no breakthrough. What did they do? They didn't have breakthrough. They came back to Jesus. They came back to his presence and asked for breakthrough to try and figure it out. And that's where he's been leading me to this place of saying, I will always pray and I will always believe and I will always ask and I will always do those and the circumstances will not be the factor to change that he is still good. That he is always good. But yet there's this tension, right? And we, we have to know about this tension. Miracles happen by grace is what he's teaching me. It just happens by grace. We see it through scripture. With There's miracles that happen with great faith. There's miracles that happen with little faith. There's miracles that happen with no faith. Lazarus was dead. He didn't have faith. He was dead. He was dead. But there's a reason we have scriptures like Romans 8.28 where it says, all things work for the good of those. Right? Because the reality is such a promise such a promise wouldn't be necessary if everything worked the way we desired it to work. Right? I think of John the Baptist, a man who declared Jesus was the one, and yet when he was in prison and he was feeling the tension, he questioned, and he asked his disciples to go talk to Jesus, and Jesus' reply was, 
Go tell John what you see. Sometimes what we need to do is take our eyes off of what's not happening and put our eyes on what is happening so that we can build our faith again to say, hey, maybe he's not healing me, but he's healing someone else. Maybe I need to get out of this. Sometimes we get stuck. We've prayed for something, and it hasn't happened. And we get stuck there because we think, he hasn't healed this cancer. Well, maybe you need to take your eyes off that and go pray for a headache. And maybe that headache will build your faith to go and pray for a sore foot or a sore arm. And then it'll build your faith. So the last thing with this tension that I want to leave you with is the last thing that God has really been dealing with me. And I I call it the furnace declaration. I live in this tension, and, and I think this tension and this mystery of God, the furnace declaration is Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 18. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're about to uh, be cast into the furnace. And this is their reply. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve, he is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that you will not serve, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set. God's leading me to this declaration of the furnace at times where I just need to say, I don't know what's happening, but what I do know is he is still. And he will always be. I don't know all the answers, but he's giving me a peace that surpasses the understanding of needing to know. To say, I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to rest that you are still good, that you are there, that you are here, that you are good in your eyes. So today, I'm going to give you a blessing. We're going to put a video on. And I, th- I think some of you might need to respond. Some of you might need to Deal with the leprosy that you're dealing with, whatever that may be. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And maybe your response is to stand, maybe your response is to walk and to come up front. I don't want to pray for anybody because I just feel God wants to do something on his own. I don't need to be in the way. He just, if you need a touch from him to step and walk, to stand, to just say, God, I need something. Maybe it's you know, anxiety. Maybe it's actual sickness in your body. Maybe it's healing for something in your life. Maybe it's, this is another subject or another sermon, but maybe it's an if only. And the if only is Mary and Martha. How many of us have an if only? If only, Jesus, you were here. That was part of my thing. If only, God, you were there with my brother. He was there. Maybe you need some healing with your if only. I'm going to ask you as we play this uh, video to respond in some way. Respond in your heart to just say, God, I, I need your touch. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Bring healing. Bring deliverance to me. Help me with the truth and make that real. Help me to trust you in all circumstances. Help me to realize that even in the tension, I can find you.
So I'm going to bless you. And if you need to go, you can go. And those who would like to respond can respond. So if you can just, in an active response, if you want to put your hands out, I'm going to bless you. And then we're going to respond with this. And if you need to go, feel free to do it. So may the person of truth, Jesus himself, be ever present within you. May you trust that God is good all the time, deep within your spirit. And may the tensions of life's mystery always draw you back to the presence of the one who loves you.